Oh my goodness. I'm so excited about what we're talking about tonight. Um, not because, well, there could be a lot of reasons why I'm excited. I'm just, I'm just excited about God's Word. I'm excited about um, the admonition that James has for us, but also the encouragement that's found within it. So uh, let's begin. Let's begin by praying. Loving, beautiful Father, I thank you, Lord, for your love. I thank you, God, that you are a God who actually loves us. Lord, we fail in so many ways to love even the people that are easy to love here on earth. Father, but you love us with the perfect love, a kind of love that we can't even fathom, Lord, a kind of love that brings us to our knees. Father, help us to see that love tonight. Holy Spirit, move us, Lord. Open our hearts and our ears and our minds, Lord, to only your spirit tonight. In Jesus' name that I pray, amen. amen. Oh my goodness. So we are in James chapter 4. If you have your Bible or your Bible app, go ahead and take that out, pull it up. James chapter 4 is where we are at, and we're not near the end of the first heading. So starting in verse 11, we're just going to be in 11 and 12 tonight. So listen to this, my brothers and sisters and my friends. Brothers and sisters, do not slander one another. Anyone who speaks against a brother or sister or judges them speaks against the law and judges it. When you judge the law, you are not keeping it, but sitting in judgment on it. There is only one lawgiver and judge, the one who is able to save and to destroy. But you, who are you to judge your neighbor? So here's the outline for tonight. Number one, this is what James is saying. To speak evil against your brother or sister is to hate God's law and become an unqualified judge. It's like Judge Judy, except with absolutely zero qualifications. Here's a squirrel. Pretend you're on Judge Judy and you are a plaintiff. You're the one that's there saying, this person did this to me. And then the, uh, the security guard, the police officer, or whatever he is, he says, hey, you, plaintiff, get up and sit where Judge Judy normally sits. You're going to run the show. Judge Judy is actually a retired family court judge that does small claims disputes in a fake courtroom. Like, literally, that's what happens. She's an arbiter and not a judge. When people go on that show, they sign this arbitration thing that says, whatever Judge Judy decides is what's going to happen. So if you've ever been in arbitration or if you know what that is, you're not sitting before a judge. You're sitting before a third party that's going to make uh, a judgment on something, right? So you have two parties. One's fighting against the other. There's one in the middle. It doesn't have to be a lawyer. It doesn't have to be an actual judge. Just someone else that you both decide whatever that person says goes. So in a sense, even Judge Judy isn't qualified. So if you speak evil against your brother, you become a hater of God's law and become an unqualified judge. Number two, he's saying there's only one lawgiver and judge, and that is God. And finally, love your neighbor as yourself. This is the outline for this little section, verses 11 and 12. This is all you need to know. So tonight, we are going to talk about gossip. Ooh. We're going to talk about tea, tittle-tattle, scuttlebutt, scandal. There's this song that's on one of the playlists that I have, and uh, Ruby knows it very well because it gets in your head. You guys know what an earworm is? 
<clears throat> an earworm is something that gets in your ear and you, it, it whispers a little song and you can't get it out of your head. Well, this little song that Ruby sings, it goes like this. Rumor has it. Rumor has it. You know who that's by? Adele. Adele, right? So this is what we're going to talk about. We're talking about gossip. Now, the first question that I need to ask you guys, and I think, <coughs> excuse me. I, I think a lot of Christians, a lot of people do not know that gossip is a sin. And I think the reason why is because we all do it all the time. But it's true. Gossiping is a sin. It's listed among the sins listed in Romans 1. This is what it says. It says, they have become filled with every kind of wickedness, evil, greed, and depravity. They are full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, and malice. They are gossips, slanderers, God-haters, insolent, arrogant, and boastful. This is something that Paul is saying is a sin. Proverbs talks about this quite often. We are not supposed to talk about others behind their backs. So we need to define what is gossip. I think you guys might have an understanding of what it is. But this is the biblical understanding of what gossip is, and it's the reason why this is such a terrible thing. A gossip is someone who has information and tells it to others who have no business knowing said information. I'll say that again. Listen, a gossip is someone who has information and tells it to other people who have no business knowing said information. Gossipers do this to tear someone down so they look better, and at the same time, simply having this information makes the gossiper seem important because they know something that most don't. Does that make sense? That's what a gossiper is. Why is James addressing this issue? Like, why does he care about this? Besides the fact that it's a sin, why is he addressing this issue? He said, he who speaks evil against a brother speaks evil against the law and becomes not a doer of the law but a judge. Here's a hint, guys. This is something you don't want to do. You don't want to, be, you don't want to not be a doer of the law. You want to, uh, to be the opposite of that. You, don't, you, just, you want to, to hear God's law and do it and not be a judge upon it. Meaning, when you hate other people, this is what you are. You're a judge. The difference between a doer and a judge should be pretty self-explanatory, but I think it might be helpful to go over it since I'm almost positive a lot of you here didn't even know doing this was a sin, or at least didn't understand why it's a sin. James reminds us that there's only one lawgiver and judge, and that's God. He who has given the law is therefore the only one qualified to judge against that law. Listen to me, guys. Don't be fooled into believing that you're either above the law or qualified to judge it. What law is James talking about? It's, it's quite simply the, the most important one rolled into one because when people ask Jesus, Jesus, what is the greatest commandment? He said, love your God with all your mind, heart, soul, and strength and love your neighbor as yourself. 
it seemed like there were two things that were the number one thing, but it's really just one. Love God above all else and love your neighbor as yourself. And by gossiping and slandering your brother or sister, you are judging the law that was given to you, and you're judging your brethren by not loving them as you would love yourself. So by gossiping, you are breaking those, that, that commandment that Jesus said, love God with all your heart, soul, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. By gossiping, you are judging the law, and you're not loving your brother well. It all boils, boils down to how we are to love our neighbor, our families, and especially the people who are not easy to love. Jesus, of course, is the one who gave us this directive. And he was acknowledging, confirming that which was already been written. In Luke, 20, in Luke chapter 6, this is what Jesus says. But to you who are listening, I say, love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who mistreat you. If someone slaps you on one cheek, turn to them the other also. If someone takes your coat, don't withhold your shirt from them. Give to everyone who asks you, and if anyone takes what belongs to you, don't even demand it back. Do to others as you would have them do to you. I think that's like one of the most encouraging and at the same time discouraging things to hear. And Jesus said this. He was, the reason why it was encouraging, it's because Jesus, who was there at creation, part of the Trinity, he loves us so much that he tells us how to treat our enemies. And guys, we may think we're always on the good side. We may think we're always on the receiving end of something bad happening to us, but a lot of times we're that enemy. We're the one who takes the coat. We're the one who hates. We're the one who curses others. That means that Jesus loves us too, even if we do those terrible things. That's why it's encouraging, but it's also discouraging because you know that being on the wrong side of that, the side where you are being hurt, is so difficult because Jesus isn't saying, don't worry, you're gonna get, they're going to get theirs and you're going to get yours. He's saying, no, don't worry about that kind of justice. You need to be worrying about what you're going to do to your enemy. And it's not cut them with your sword. It's love them with your life. It's just, gosh, Jesus is telling us to love our enemies and not just love them, but love them well. It's so easy to love people who love you back. Am I right? But James and Jesus are commanding us to love those who would wish us harm. That, I mean, let's get our heads around that, guys. This is what it's all about. You don't slander your brother or your sister because you need to love God. Because God's law says this is what your, the standard is. This is what you should do. And by breaking that law, and not just that law, by breaking any of his laws, you're sitting on top of it and you're judging it and you are not qualified to do that. And on top of all of that, you are not loving your brother or sister well. Jesus commands us to do this. The whole point of this is never to make you guys discouraged, never to go, well, I suck. <laughs> the encouraging part is going to come. 
And it comes here. Another reason why James is writing to us about this is because our Savior Jesus does not slander us. The Messiah, Jesus Christ, he doesn't talk behind our backs. Well, he does, but you'll see. You'll see in a different way. Here's what Paul Maxwell, a professor at Moody Bible Institute, said. Let's listen to this. This is a long quote, but I think it's beautiful, and I think you guys need to hear it. Gossip contains speech that would never occur in heaven. It would never occur among the members of the Trinity. If you think about the Trinity, this is not a quote, this is an unquote. If you think about the Trinity, it's three persons in one, right? And they're up there or wherever, and they're not talking about us in the way that we think of gossip. They're not going, man, did you see what Tony did the other day? He is terrible. And the Holy Spirit's like, I know, I tried to tell him not to do it. And God the Father's like, I created that fool. I'm going to smack them upside the head, right? They're not doing that in heaven. It says, to be gossiped about is a bitter suffering. If you've ever been gossiped about, that is a terrible, terrible feeling. Man, you guys went behind my back and you guys were talking about me? It's a bitter suffering because it spills into almost every other relationship, even one's relationship with God. We would never say it out loud but it's easy to slip into the belief that God is laughing at us with everyone else. When you are slandered, when you are being gossiped about, it's easy to believe that God is also laughing. Like, did you see uh, Tony tried to ask out Tiffany to homecoming and she said no, and not only did she say no, but she's like, who are you? (laughs) It's easy to think that everyone else in the school is laughing at me and God is up there laughing too. He's like, what a loser. Why did Tony think he even had a chance with Tiffany? Right? It's easy to think that. (laughs) Indeed, this is the implicit, this is a quote again, this is the implicit theology of gossip. This is a theology, people. This is what he's saying. It's that that gossip goes into every aspect of one's life. You think that it may be just this earthly connection that we're having, but gossiping says something about God, too. The theology of gossip says the one who gossip finds ways for God to endorse their evil. And the one who is gossiped about is naturally inclined to believe that endorsement. The one who does the gossiping, they find a way to, to rationalize this and go, the Lord understands why I'm talking about this person because they're pure evil and they deserve to be talked about, right? It, the people make this rationalization. That's just not true. It says, but Jesus does not speak words of judgment or accusation about you to the Father. This is still the quote. In fact, the Trinity doesn't even speak neutral words about you. This is what this guy is saying is that not only do they not speak words of judgment, but they don't even have like middle ground things to say about you. It says, all speech between Father, Son, and Spirit about the Christian is overflowing with active love. You can find an, an example of that in 1 John 4.16 if you want to write that down. The Spirit is praying for you, Romans 8.26. The Son is your priest, of course, found in Hebrews 8.1. Cleanser, Hebrews 10.22. Advocate, Hebrews 10.20. And the one who subdues your enemies, Hebrews 10.13. The Father loves you with the same love with which he loves the Son. John chapter 17, verse 23. Gossip is the opposite of how the Son speaks to the Father about you. 
the Trinity talks about you behind your back, and it would be really encouraging if you heard what they said. I saw this, this one thing, and it's a, it's a GIF. You guys know what a GIF is, right? There's no sound, and it's just a little video, and this guy is like sitting in a, <laughs> he's sitting in a seat, and he's like taking a test, and you could see him look around, and he like looks at his cheat sheet, and the cheat sheet says, you can do it. <laughs> That's what that reminds me of. It says, if you heard the gossip that the Trinity was speaking about you, you wouldn't be discouraged. You would actually be encouraged. When they talk about your sin, there is hope and a plan. When they talk about your suffering, there is help and a purpose. End quote. That is really encouraging, guys. And it really is convicting. Because his law, his word tells us not to do this thing that we're so naturally inclined to do. And then when you find out how, how the Trinity handles this, how Jesus handles you, he doesn't slander or gossip you. He is an advocate for you. He prays for you. He cares for you. Man, can you believe that? The one who saved us loves us that much that he would never talk about you behind your back. And if he does, it's all good things, I'm sure. We should be jumping for joy. And I think we're not. And I think the reason why is because we don't feel like we, we deserve that kind of love. I know I don't. When I read this, I was encouraged, but also I was discouraged because I know that I, I falter and I fail a lot of times. And sometimes, I mean, being a pastor, it's really difficult to know what the line is between gossip. My definition of it is that if you are talking about someone else, um, you need to be part of the solution. If you're neither part of the solution or part of the actual problem, then you shouldn't be talking about it. And as a pastor, we do talk um, to other pastors, but it's, mo it's, it's 100% always to how can we restore this person, how can we love them well. How can we confront their sin in a godly and graceful way? Guys, you guys have the ability to do that too. You're not pastors, but if you do talk about somebody, you need to be coming up with a plan on how to love them well, not just, boy, did you hear what this person did, right? I love, I'm just going to repeat this, is the kind of words that Jesus has is overflowing with active love. That's what that professor said, active love. The Trinity talks about you behind your back, but it's all good things. And he says he has a hope and a plan, help and a purpose in your suffering. That when there is conversation about you among the Trinity, it's to help you. That's what we should be doing. We should be building people up and not tearing them down with our words. This is why James is addressing this issue. Our model for perfection, Jesus does not talk behind our backs. Father God and the Holy Spirit do not have tea about us. Jesus speaks about us but has nothing but kind things to say. The thing is, Jesus knows all of our dirty secrets. He could so easily gossip about us, yet he loves us and will not slander us to the Father. We deserve it, but we don't receive what we deserve. And that, my friends, is grace. If there's anyone in this world that would, would have something to have tea about, it would be Jesus, but he just doesn't do that. 
He's our advocate. He's our friend. That's grace. We don't get what we deserve. That's the gospel. The gospel is reconciliation with the God who created us, Yahweh, the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. The one who is holy, separate, and distinct from us can be near to us who is holy only because of his son's blood, meaning we are, can be near to God only because of Jesus Christ. Father God only sees Jesus when he sees us, and thank you, Lord, for that. We should refrain from slandering our brother and sister because we are not God and we're not the one who gave the law and especially because we are not a judge. We should not gossip because we're called to love like Jesus did, to love our neighbor as ourselves. And here's, here's the nitty-gritty of it, guys. What is your neighbor? That's the question they had for Jesus, too. Yes, your neighbor includes the girl or the guy that you're not talking to because they kissed your boyfriend or your girlfriend. Your neighbor includes the one who would hate you because of what you believe. I'm talking about the Muslim neighbor, the gay neighbor, the Democrat neighbor, the MAGA hat wearing Trump supporter. Why do we do this? Why are we... we we called to do this because Christ did it. Jesus did this. This is our witness to the world. He was friends with sinners. This morning, Pastor Raymond talked about it. Zacchaeus, this tax collector, the one who was so short he had to climb a sycamore tree to get a good look. Jesus said, invite me to your house for tea. <laughs> and he became a believer. Like, what? What? And this is why people were, were afraid of Jesus. This is why people hated him, because he was friends with people who they thought you couldn't be friends with. We talked about a Pharisee, someone who was so holy, someone who had a misunderstanding of Scripture. You know, we have Ten Commandments. The Jews came up with 621 more. I, th I think I have that number right. I'm bad at math. I'm like, minus 10. Yes, yeah, 631 different commandments just so they can keep the 10. They thought that the law was going to save them. We, we have the, the gift of retrospect. We know that that's not true. But when it was given to the Jews, when it was given to Israel, this is what they thought. So they, they did everything that they could to keep those commandments. And in doing so, they made a, an idol out of the law. They made an idol out of themselves because the Pharisees thought that they were supposed to be separate and holy like God is separate and holy. That's not exactly right. That's not what we should do. The world is looking at us to see how we love each other. This is what I mean by this is our witness to the world. If we do it well, right, if we love others well, we reflect the character of God. And if we don't, this is important, we reinforce a false narrative about him who gives us grace. Sorry, <laughs> my note-taking thing. Let me repeat that. The world is looking at us to see how we love other people. If we do it well, good, we reflect the character of God because that's who God is. And if we don't, we reinforce a false narrative about him who gives us grace. Essentially what we're doing is we're lying about God. If we don't love each other well, we're lying about God. We're lying about the life that Jesus lived. Because that's not what Jesus did. We perpetuate the idea that God is unjust and unloving. 
People who have been burned by other people love to blame God. And we shouldn't give them reasons, more ammunition, more fuel to that fire to hate God because God is not unjust and God is not unloving. He's the exact opposite of those things. He's infinitely more loving than we could ever imagine. He's so loving that he has saved us from destruction of our own doing. The whole reason why we're in this mess is because in the garden here in San Marcos we want this knowledge we want to be God and for so long we've lived as gods of our own lives we make up our own rules we live by our own standards and when we mess up we just move the, the marking line we say here's the limit and we mess up and we go actually the limit's over here we're bad gods. Only God is the good God. Only God is the God that is actually qualified to be God. So let's love people well. Let's be a good example to this world. Let's be like Jesus. Let's resign as God of our own lives tonight. Let's do it tonight. We shouldn't waste any more time. Because what I told you, if you are hearing this, if you're listening to what I just said and you're not a believer, I think that it may be too unbelievable for you to believe that there is a God who created you and loves you so much that he gave his only son. He sent him down here to earth to die and was risen again, took the punishment for your sins on that cross. It's hard to believe that that actually happened, but it did. There is a historical Jesus there's a historical you that was made from mud and clay. From dust we came and the dust will depart, right? Let's give up together and let's trust in him, the only one who could carry us on our backs, on his back. Let's pray. Loving, beautiful Father, I can't believe, Lord, that you love us so much, that you would send your son, Lord, that you love us so much that that you don't talk behind our backs, Lord, even, even if we do it to others, God. Help us to be a good example to this world. Help us to be a good witness to who Jesus actually is, to what his character is, Lord, to how he loved. Father, help us resign as God of our own lives, Lord, and to put our faith and our trust in you if we've never done that before, Lord. And if we've never done that before, it's... It's a simple thing. It's not some crazy ritual. We don't burn candles and we don't have a seance or, or hum something, Lord. Like Pastor Raymond says, you could say something like this. Jesus, I believe in you. I put my trust and my faith in you. I believe that you died for my sins and you paid for my sins on that cross, that you died and was risen again after three days. And now you sit at the right hand of God. I put my trust in you. I'm tired of living my life this way because it's inadequate. It's too hard. I give up. If you prayed that prayer tonight, please talk to me or talk to Raymond or Catherine. We'd love to, to walk alongside you on this journey because you have started a journey. a journey that, that is helped by others. 
you become part of what's called the church, this community here. We're here to support you and to love you, to be friends with you, to show you what Jesus is like. Fathers, we close with this last song, Lord. Help us to read the words. If we are feeling like we're on rocky soil, we're feeling like we don't know what we're doing anymore, I pray, Lord, that this would balance us, that we would sing to you and sing out, Lord, it is well with my soul. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.